0: I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. Of what? Health. Health. I'm sick of health. Sick of health. Hello, and welcome back to Sick of Health. I am joined, as always, by Rob Littlewood and David Wright. Greetings. I'm Joe Dixon. How are we doing, lads? Very good. It's good to be back. It is, it is. We have to apologise to the listeners as there is a slight delay on the release this time. Uh, but, so I think we're coming to you a bit after the promised month, but we'll get back on schedule after this, promise. But, <laughs> we have some uh, important updates that I want to start with. David, I think you have something to share with the group. Yeah, I'm I have some exciting. big news.
1: So yeah, at the turn of the year, my girlfriend proposed to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's face is a picture. I do not know how. <laughs> no, yeah, saving <same laughs> it for the episode. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a high five. Yeah, thank you very oh, much. Mate, massive congrats. Yeah, so that's yeah, incredible. that's part of the reason why up in London this time as well is to kind of tell more people, tell more of our friends. So,
2: Oh, and that's why you were ambiguous when I asked what you were up to this weekend. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah. smart. So yeah. Literally, this is it's,
0: it's breaking news. Yeah, it is. It was on the caveat that we can only release the podcast after he's told everyone. Yeah, so <laughs> I've now got a few days to get out <laughs> to the last people. But no, serious congratulations, and I believe. Massive. It, come, it coincides with the, uh, I know this is what every listener wanted to hear, yeah. <laughs> coincides with the finishing of the house.
1: Yeah, more or less. So yeah, Briar bought the ring six months ago and was waiting for us to move in. But as we've had all these building problems, it got delayed and delayed, and delayed, but we are in the house now. So yeah, we moved in just before Christmas.
2: Fully operational, the stairs m- meet the floor. The
1: stairs meet both levels. They're not carpeted and they
0: still need a bit okay. of painting, but yeah. They are connect you still, everything. Um, still hoisting the flag?
2: No, the flag's the, And by the flag, we obviously mean the... Sex doll. The sex doll. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's
0: gone. Excellent banter. Yeah,
2: that's
1: <laughs> yeah, no, all good. <laughs> but all,
0: all good news on David's front, but I think we should also acknowledge the changes this time around yeah. in terms of recording. So first and foremost, we're in a brand spanking new studio, which, I mean, listeners, you tell us if it sounds any better, but yeah. it's, it, I mean feedback so far is it's quite warm (laughs) other than that we'll, we'll wait till the next one perhaps but the more important update and i have to uh shout this out is i know we always talk about feedback and people giving feedback and certainly this time round uh some of the feedback was the audio wasn't necessarily that good so this time one of our listeners a friend of the show uh, <laughs> Chris Tung from Dead Ready Productions, shout out to Dead Ready Productions, uh, is helping us with the audio. So we've all got individual mics this time, rather than our normal, you know, cheap show one mic. So very interesting. It really is. I've
2: got to be honest, it's gone straight to my head already. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like an expert.
0: Um, <laughs> we'll see. <That's> <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're interested to hear if it's any better. And we'll feed that back to Chris, obviously. (laughs) He's laughing at the corner. Cheers,
2: Chris.
0: And lastly, I think, before we get into the uh, real deal, the actual stuff, we always like to uh, hark back to previous stories we've covered and um, shout out to Simeone. (laughs) I think it's The Connection's, uh, uh, David's fiance's. Dad.
1: Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a big listener, and he was. Uh, he loved the last episode on the CRISPR <laughs> stuff, and his kind of feedback was, at least we don't have to worry so much about Brexit. This is way worse. So <laughs> puts everything in perspective, which so, it kind of does. And <laughs> his view is clear. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he also gave us the information, the tip off, didn't he? about so if you remind yourself about the CRISPR episode, it was the rogue scientist uh, the rogue Chinese scientist oh, yeah, right. who kind of uh, i mean went rogue as we said, and he did this used this genetic enhancement change within embryos and then the child was born, which isn't allowed mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of we recorded it maybe a week two weeks after it happened yeah and since then the Chinese government has obviously I mean, it's not made them look good. They've kicked off a bit. And people have said he. there's a possibility of a death sentence. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Really? Uh, and I, I think, I can't remember the exact reason why it's a death sentence, but something within China, it's not bribery, but it's like deception and corruption yeah, I can't can fall within death sentence in China. And so he's been threatened with hiding he's gone into hiding yeah yeah. he's
2: the al chapo of the (laughs) farmer
0: it's very topical
2: (laughs) so uh, i mean are they arguing that what he was spreading was misleading
0: well i don't think there's any argument there yeah right okay yeah yeah. interesting interesting that it can go that far and i think more than slightly terrifying yeah um
1: well, it's good to have that audience interaction. So thank you very much, Simeone. Indeed, yeah. And, <laughs> and,
0: and as always, any comments, any things that are wrong with it, any questions, any topics you want us to do in the future, anything like that, uh, send it in. Twitter's, Twitter's the best platform, at uh, sickofhealth, although we are setting up an Instagram. So we'll let you know about that as soon as we can. <laughs> but for now, follow Twitter. But on that note, let's move into this week's topic Mm. and Rob well as the listeners know you don't know anything about the topic before we bring it up Mm. because you're you're the voice of the audience you're asking the audience's questions so I'm going to let you have a guess at this one so this week's so we're recording early Feb (laughs) and I want you to give a guess about what the topic might be and the main clue is that we were obviously meant to record in January January being the clue health-related January.
2: <laughs> so we're talking about, like, my assumption would be New Year's resolutions, yeah, yeah, and yeah. health, approaches. The yeah. start. I noticed that my gym was way busier classic. in January, classic there's classic. lots of no drinking in January. Might there be an alcoholic theme to this?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. David
2: sips on a beer. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, there is that. That's like ironic in this this episode that we have our alumini set next to us. But yes, dry January is uh, the theme of the week. So, before we start off with a few, so can you, I mean, when do you reckon the origin of dry January is? Year wise, I'm looking for a year.
2: That's actually a pretty interesting question to try and think about personally it was only on my radar probably in the last few years in the bigger picture i don't know i just don't ever really remember my parents talking about doing dry january when i was growing up and then you know before then or you know especially my grandparents as we all well know like there was a big drinking culture then which probably rolled over slightly into our parents I, honestly, probably last few years it's been on my radar, anything I'm aware of.
0: Decent guess. Yeah. I, I would have said similar, to be honest. Um, so kind of correct, started in the UK in 2011, and then uh, Public Health England got involved in 2015 to so join with Alcohol Concern, who are the charity who kind of push it, but the origins come from Finland in 1942.
1: some serious heritage. It really um, is.
0: So it's not a new concept, but the
1: so
2: the rest of the world is at war, <laughs> and the Finnish are thinking, let's try and improve our habits <laughs> very slightly in January. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> just you know everyone. Let's not get too sad about everything else that is going on. <laughs> yeah. Let's just lay off the beer. It's different b-
1: priorities to
2: yeah. different, yeah.
0: different, different, the like that. yeah. a I not that. very good point. Um, okay, so. Since then, so 2011 in terms of the UK started with 4,000 people. Uh, It's now 4 million people, which, to be honest, I thought it would be a little bit more, given UK populations, what, 70 mil, something like that. Um,
1: But that's only the people that signed up, right? True, true, true. I'm sure a lot of people do it and they just say it to their friends for sure.
0: Very good point. but. Before we get into, because what we really want to look at is dry Jan. Is there any point to it? Is there any health benefit to it, short term, long term? Mm. But before we get into that, I think it'd be great to check in with our medical expert, Dr. (laughs) David Wright, just for some booze in facts. And for me, (laughs) I guess just the, you know, I think it's it's obviously something that's pretty familiar with a lot of people, drinking or getting drunk, whatever it is. But the the actual physiology of it, and the effects of it. So I reckon, I mean, start from the beginning. It goes, I take a gulp of beer, what happens? Yeah,
1: so there's kind of some general effects going on, and to kind of keep it very overview, within your brain you have two main systems going on. So you have a kind of excitatory system, which is the glutamate neurotransmitters, and then a kind of inhibitory uh, system that dampens everything down, which is the GABA system. And basically what alcohol does is just dampen down the excitatory system and ramp up the inhibitory system. So it basically gives an overall feeling of just dampening all of your brain activity down. So that's why you start feeling a bit more sluggish, slurred speech. Excitatory is in excitement. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, some neurons that just fire and they kind of get you to go and do things. So that's the excitatory side. And then, yeah, there's the inhibitory side. And it basically puts the brake on the excitation and ramps up the inhibition. So everything just slows right down. So that's why, yeah, you just kind of feel sluggish, slurred speech.
0: And also with your motor coordination goes down a little bit. Because I guess, because, I mean, alcohol is a depressant. And Mm. a depressant in that sense, in that it slows things down in the brain, Mm. which sometimes seems odd because if you're pissed, you can sometimes feel a bit, you know, buzzed a bit.
2: Well,
1: here we yeah, go. well, that's because it works on the dopamine system, which is the reward system and actually kind of ramps that up a little bit. So that's why you get that buzz and feeling good, mm. even though your kind of your brain activity <laughs> is going down. I'm a way better driver. <laughs> no, 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 no! no, 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 no. no. We're definitely no, not. are no, not reaction not condemning that. Not <laughs> <containing> that. <laughs> I mean, if we need to work no, out the stats,
0: we will, but we yeah. don't. Yeah.
1: yeah. We <laughs> <not>. <laughs> Even Scotland has got the right idea with not having, we're like, having a much stricter limits. that like your your
0: reaction <laughs> times go through the floor really? as soon. Yeah. As you start. Well, I'm not surprised. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so then mm. uh, that's it. So you're taking it in. That's yeah. what's happening. So I want to know. That's what's happening in your brain, correct? Yeah. But we're talking it goes down into your stomach. It's absorbed into the blood. I want basics What we're talking.
1: Yeah, yeah. So then it gets absorbed into your blood and then your liver metabolizes it and then it metabolizes it through an, uh, an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase and then that goes into a chemical called acetaldehyde and that's what's responsible partly for hangovers. So alcohol is kind of a poison in itself and acetaldehyde is even worse. So the thing it breaks that it breaks it down into is um, it leads to all kind of feeling of nausea and vomiting, and the kind of real horrible part of the hangover.
0: And so that break, that that bit is broken down in the liver specifically. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. I'm all over that. My hangovers are bad.
0: Yeah. My no no. hangovers are all bad. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, kind of, I guess we're talking about hangovers. The other thing. Uh, hormone-wise vasopressin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So vasopressin, that causes you to go to the toilet a lot. And then obviously that makes you slightly dehydrated. And yeah, that's why one of the main reasons why you feel hung over as well on the next morning, because you've just lost so much fluid. Mm. So that's why it's always good. If you have had a few to drink, just top up on water before you go to bed and try and rehydrate yourself.
2: I've heard a theory from Joe's flatmate Yeah, that a university. They by the way, just to to stop you
0: there. He got really annoyed last time I referred to him as Joe's flatmate. His name's Matt Bailey. He really, he really wants us to use his name. (laughs) So
2: Joe's flatmate Matt Bailey (laughs) uh, instructed me on a theory that he had, where um, before bed at university they would put a rapid hydration slash diarrhea sachet into a glass of water. Yeah. Um, Does that actually work?
1: Yeah, no, that is better. So if you, so that will make it iso- an isotonic drink. Yeah. So that's kind of more like Lucasade. So water is hypotonic, so it hasn't got as many ions in it. So mm-hmm. if you have that, it's, it obviously hydrates you, but you lose a little bit of the salt and stuff from your blood to kind of make it to the same salt concentration as your blood. So it's not as efficient as hydrating you that as something sense. that's hypotonic, like isotonic, uh, like yeah, like those sachets and Lucasade. Glad yeah, it's better. Yeah, but marginally. Thank but you,
2: thank you, Doctor Booze. It's
0: all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not that. We don't want that tag. <laughs> um, but it, it, water hydration doesn't help with the acetaldehyde. That's separate.
1: No. Yeah, that's a separate thing. So you're gonna get that nausea regardless. This is just to help you with the
0: rehydration. So yeah. Okay. And the other, the only other bit I want to pick up on is the the mental effects in terms of memory loss. Because for me, if normally, obviously, very responsible. I only have a few <laughs> casual drinks. But I've heard about people who they'll have far too many drinks and you get a kind of blackout sensation. And that's terrifying. Have you heard about that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just from a few people. I, don't, I, I wouldn't have yeah, thought you'd no, have had it. That point, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very common, blackout. So they thought before the blackout. kind of common... Common thought was that it was only for an alcoholics, and you had to be kind of a serious, serious drinker to get these. But no, they're common for for anyone that drinks alcohol to a little bit more excess than you probably should. And yeah, so it happens. So when you're, it's really interesting, and not too much is known about it. So you kind of drink, you get a a kind of uh, suppression of the hippocampus, which is an area in the brain which is to do with memory formation. So you can be fairly lucid as lucid as you are when you've had five or six drinks, maybe. So you can still engage in conversation, have a joke, and kind of no one would know at the time that you're, uh, that you're kind of blacking out at that moment or you're not forming any memories. But yeah, your hippocampus is expressed so much that you're not putting anything into from immediate um, perception into any long-term memory. So even though you might seem okay, the next morning you won't remember anything from that period, and it's not known exactly why some people get it, and it's not known why some people have complete blackouts or partial blackouts.
0: I've just I've just remembered I read about this trial that this bloke did into this. I think it was either sixties or seventies. This wouldn't be allowed now, but I read about it, and this guy yeah, kind yeah. of collected <laughs> <I read it. laughs> um, alcoholics because he wanted to test this blackout thing, right? And he Collected these alcoholics, and then he gave them um, within a four-hour period fifteen units. I think it is half, like a, liter half, of a, liter, half yeah. a liter of whiskey. Half a liter of whiskey, as part of his experiment. And oh then, and then after this, uh, so they're hammered, and then he wanted to provide them with a memorable experience, <laughs> and then see if they'd remember it. So to do this, the memorable experience was he got a frying pan and he goes to them are you hungry and they'd probably say yes and then he shows them the frying pan it's got dead mice in it <laughs> <laughs> and this is legitimate legitimate experiment and the other one he had two That's versions such an th- amateur. <laughs> amateur. I mean it definitely definitely wouldn't be allowed now no. the other version which not as funny but he'd show them pornography and then see if they remember them and basically it, he'd ask them two minutes later and they'd be able to remember yeah but Hours later, they wouldn't be able to remember. Mm. So it's what David said: it's the transition of memories from short to long term. Right. That's yeah. what gets you. And the scary thing about blackouts is that someone kind of stimulates the memory, jogs, memory, jogs yeah. the memory, which in normal life you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I do remember it." Mm. In that sense, you don't, because that long-term memory never formed.
1: Yeah, because they're jogging the memory, you've had a long-term memory formed, but you just haven't kind of accessed it again for a while. So you've got something to like kickstart and get back to it. But this, it was just never made. But sometimes I find it might arguably
2: like lay idle for a while because days later mm. I'll think to myself oh my god, I've completely forgot about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, I mean, It's not a black and white thing. No, yeah, you can form yeah. some, it can be patchy sometimes, it can be total.
0: Okay, okay. Let's, so we've had our, we've had our uh, fact hit from yeah. Dr. David Wright which is always my favourite part, <laughs> I have to say. Um, but let's go back to dry Jan. So, in terms of I'll ask you, Rob, in terms of during that month, short-term benefits, what do you you reckon there are any? What do you reckon they are?
2: Big time. Yeah, big time. Um, Energy, productivity, sleeping better, um, clarity of thoughts, clarity of decision-making, just, I think, general enthusiasm for exercise, actual effectiveness of exercise, I think that in turn kind of encourages you to um, eat better and then that becomes a marriage in itself, doesn't it? Where yeah. you've got the triangle of nutrition, eating properly, sleeping properly, exercising properly. It's,
0: this is a, it, this, that's the thing that kind of the studies quote was what makes it difficult.
2: Just quickly, bank account as well. Yeah, yeah that's makes, difference. makes yeah. a
0: big difference that's the reason I did it last year that was the sole reason I did it saved a lot, about £100 pound a week which is terrible <laughs> you that's, are that's a lot of hate drinking habits yeah, know, you're a man. legend no blackouts though <laughs> <laughs> just my friends yeah. <laughs> sorry carry on sorry yeah the point is uh, it makes it hard to measure because you drop one and the others increase kind of thing mm-hmm. as in you stop drinking exercise increases h- eating well increases because you're not getting a KFC at 3 in the morning yeah. so it's hard to measure the it's hard to pinpoint just that improvement
1: from alcohol yeah the holistic improvement of is yeah. indisputable. Yeah. disputable
0: and um, the other so all the things you mentioned definitely came out of it short term so and kind of more physiologically blood pressure got better liver function got better um, 49% lost weight 62% because obviously alcohol's calorific 62% better sleep I think sleep is a really underestimated one and then mm. the biggest one 79% saved money which is huge, I'm yeah. mm. said they saved money. Yeah. The one thing you picked up on there was the uh, productivity. Mm. So interesting stat, because this is huge. Obviously none of us, but you know, if you get people going out on a Thursday night or whatever, and then you go into work hungover or whatever mm. it may be, productivity at work, it's going to be affected. Mm. And according to this, uh, in the UK annually, 7.3 billion lost in productivity due to alcohol. The staffing, it's staggering, isn't it? It's quite a substantial number. So, sorry, repeat that again. From 7.3 billion lost in productivity. So, the, uh, so uh, it's, alcohol cost to society annually is 21 billion. Yeah. 7.3 billion of that is loss of productivity. <laughs> Only 3.5 billion is cost to NHS. 11 billion is alcohol-related crime.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so loss of productivity is almost as much as crime from just yeah, so slumping on your desk with a hangover. What's
0: worse for me is loss of productivity is double the cost of the NHS. Yeah. That's ridiculous.
1: It's not going to
2: stop us, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a centre point of British society. It is sadly culturally important. Well, sadly, well, that's
0: what we're challenging today. And if anyone can affect the views of the British public, it's the Sick of Health podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably need more than twenty listeners. I'm joking. We got loads. Um, anyway, short, those are the short. Those are the short-term ones. Um, Chris, but, have,
2: Chris, having an absolute hoot <laughs> in the sorry. sound editing zone
0: over there. <laughs> um, so, and then all the things we talked about. But you have got to appreciate the the three together. Blah blah blah. Yeah, but yeah. long-term benefits. Do you think, so the things we're looking at here, well no, let's go to Rob. Do you think there are any, so you do try Jan, you get through it without drinking anything, February you're back on the booze for the rest of the year. Do you think there are any long-term benefits past that month?
2: Psychological, yes. Because I think you recognize the value of it. Um, I think it might, it might hoist you back. (laughs) Yes, might hoist
0: you back. so on that point before you carry on, yeah. so that is the main point that, so there's, there was one big study done, and uh, it was on 857 adults, and they were basically looking at, if you give up boo for that one month in January, and then they look at your boozing habits six months down the line. Mm. So you, you've stopped dry January, you're back to drinking, but has there been any long-term effects? Um, and the key takeaway stat from it, I read this wrong the first time, which I have to admit, uh, said the key's takeaway. Stat was uh, on average, per, average per month, average number of times you're drunk per month, drunk per month dropped from three to two. Okay. I read it as weeks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were discussing this on the phone. <laughs> Just,
0: yeah. Sun realization. <laughs> it was terrible. But so supposedly six months later. <laughs> six months later, you dropped from three times to two times a month getting drunk, which is a significant amount within a month. Yeah. Um, And it's because of what you said, Do you realise the value of not drinking, the health benefits it can have, the benefits it can have to your wallet, those kind of things, which is a pretty significant impact. Any other long-term thoughts?
2: Um, At risk of sounding like an absolute prick. um, I... In late 2017, so a while ago now, I did about two months off. You might well remember, Mm -hmm. Joe. And it made a huge difference to me physically. Um, and I do think that's carried over quite a bit in a way in the sense that I don't think I would find it too hard or as hard as people make out to just say, you know, I'm just actually not going to drink for the next couple of weeks or like three weeks all four weeks for the sake of my, how I look physically. I, I, this probably isn't the answer you're looking for, but I'm just thinking about, yeah, I I do think long-term there are other elements to it. There was, you know, another answer perhaps is I knew a guy at university who went to get his liver checked and he was probably 21 maximum at the time. The guy said, you've got the liver of a 38 year old.
1: Really? That's scary.
2: And we all laughed, but then I thought to myself in the background, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. really bad. Your, I mean, any respite at this point in our lives when our bodies are still developing and growing, is probably welcome really. So I, I don't find it hard to argue that there would be long-term benefits to your internal functions. Mm. And this is
0: this is the point we were really interested in yeah. as, as scientists, me less so, David Morse obviously, uh, is the does taking a month off because we all know that liver regenerates. Yeah. Right, but does taking a month off allow it to correct all the wrong you've done it through mm, binge drinking yeah, or regularly yeah. drinking? That's what we were interested yeah, can in.
1: Can you get a blank slate and just start again? Can
0: you go from a liver of a thirty eight year old, you take a month off, you're back to a twenty one year Eat old. Yeah, they
2: do avocado. Which apparently is good for the liver. Suck avocado. So. Yeah, isn't that right? Anyway. Carry on. Yeah, but liver. yeah,
0: so on the liver
2: regeneration yeah. point.
0: So the liver,
1: you can it goes through phases of damage depending on how much you've been drinking. So the first thing, when you've been drinking a little bit, kind of binging, then you start to build up fatty deposits within the liver. And then when it's at that stage, if you stop drinking, the re- liver can recover, as Joe was saying. And if you stop for two weeks, it can get rid of all of the fatty deposits. But the next stage after that, you get hepatitis, which isn't the viral disease, but it's just kind of inflammation of the liver and that's kind of doing a bit more damage there. And it's still more or less reversible, but it's it's kind of taking a bigger hit. It takes more time and a bit less is known exactly how far you can bring that back. And then once you kind of progress to the next stage, you start getting what's called cirrhosis. And this is proper yes, scarring of the liver. The liver yeah. And then as soon as you get cirrhosis, that can't recover. So if you're, it depends on how much you're drinking to, how much your liver can recover so the fatty bits it can a little bit of inflammation takes a bit longer but as soon as it starts scarring that's it you've done the damage symptoms of the scarring might include um i think jaundice so you start getting more yellow and okay so quite clear symptoms (laughs) yeah there might be more before but
0: it's the middle stage is tricky without
1: yeah, you get loss of appetite and fever and things like that. But I think if you have any doubt,
0: go to a GP yeah, yeah, and yeah. see. Don't wait too soon. Turn to Home Simpson. Yeah. yeah,
2: I've seen pictures
0: of people. Oh yeah, jaundice looks yellow. horrible.
2: It's, you're genuinely yellow. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So on that, so the long term points liver regeneration possibility, there is some slight risks of doing dry January in extreme ca- I don't think for any of us, but in extreme mm. cases?
1: Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting. So with alcoholism, it's one of the very few drugs um, that if you are a full alcoholic and addict, that if you go cold turkey and stop it, you can die from it. So when I was explaining before, so the kind of general effects is to dampen down both the excitatory and ramp up mm. the inhibitory side. So that's happening to your brain. And if it's happening chronically all the time, bodies are really smart. They think, right, we've got to kind of get back to our normal state. So, it starts up regulating all of these receptors and pathways and kind of increasing all this um, protein expression so it can get back to normal whilst it's got the break of alcohol over it. So, then if you suddenly have all that ad- adaptive changes to the brain and then you take off the break, mm. then it just goes into overdrive and you get uh, epileptic fits yeah, you get, confusion. Yeah, yeah it just goes absolutely crazy and then from that you can uh, yeah it, it's just kind of like going on the worst hangover ever so you get your heart rate goes up you sweat you get kind of fever symptoms you can go into epileptic fits and you can die from it so it's one of the few drugs that you can get if you just go straight cold turkey you'll die. I mean you have to have been drinking
2: incessantly mm-hmm. yeah uh, for a while beforehand, don't you, to allow
1: yeah. that kind of thing take it, place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to be an alcoholic for mm. that to happen.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, do you know what the government class as binge drinking in terms of units or pints? I actually don't.
2: No, my my closest attempt at that is, you know, just making sure I know what the drink drive limit is. Yeah, I, I really yeah. don't know what they class. It's as. obviously above that. But
0: this is yeah. what they class as binge drinking. It's Five, five and a half units, which is like three, four pints. Wow. Yeah.
2: Uh, a day or? A
0: day. In a session. In a session, as it were. Really? Yeah.
2: Uh, so those casual I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> Kind of fair enough. Do you guys think that's low or high to be considered binge drinking?
1: It seems low it from seem low. from your drinking habits. But yeah. it's a sobering thought. I've, I've
0: yeah. drinking habits. It's yeah. moderate, I think. Yeah. But that leads us, ni- I think it leads us nicely. We've got a few, so that's kind of covered the dry January. Does it improve? Yes or no? A few facts, just boozing in general, because this we found quite dramatic. So there's a, uh, The Lancet did a big kind of review of effects of alcohol, and it's like 28 million people, the whole thing encompasses.
1: Lancet it's a key kind of medical journal. Thing. Thank you. <laughs> I was about
0: to ask that. Yeah. 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 So it's a reputable source. So one of the key pullouts for me was that population aged 15 to 49 years old. Alcohol use was the leading risk factor globally for death in that age group. So when we talk about risk factors, mm. it's obviously something that leads to a cause of death. As in, it might lead to cancer. It might lead to
1: right, yeah. So um, more than eating fatty foods more smoking, than smoking
0: more than all that kind of stuff. In 15 to 49 is a big range. Mm. It's also a range that starts very low, very young, very yeah. young. <laughs> so 15 to 49 is the leading risk factor globally for death, which I think was pretty outrageous. Yeah. And then the other really interesting thing that I pulled out from it was that. Um, they kind of said, they kind of wanted to find out what is the smallest amount of alcohol you can drink to have no negative health effects. Because
1: mm-hmm. there's a lot of things about red wine a little bit and yeah, there's a yeah. compound in it, resveratrol, which is an antioxidant, so a lot of people say, oh, I have a bit of red wine. and I was going to ask about that, actually, yeah,
0: but I'd carry on. Well, you yeah. could get, guess from their research what the minimum amount you can drink for no <laughs> negative health effects is. None is none, <laughs> which is so annoying. <laughs> yeah, looking strong. Bloody yeah. party poopers at the Lancet, but okay. And uh, I mean, so those, when we talk about those, it's, it's a risk, the leading risk factor, it's made up of three kind of buckets. So you've got chronic use, which leads to adverse effects on your organs and your tissues, which leads to various diseases, right, liver disease, heart disease, cancer, most mm. things to be honest, it's risk factor for most things. Then you've got acute intoxication, so just getting too hammered on one night, alcohol poisoning, that kind of thing. And then the third one, which I want to talk about a little bit, is the kind of, they call it um, drinking leading to impairments and potentially self-harm or violence, so like the the mental side of it. But I wanted yeah. to quickly go back to, you said you, your point you gave up alcohol for a couple of months, mm. which you said had really good physical benefits. Yeah. But I'm right in saying, the trigger for it was more mental, right?
2: Big time. Yeah, purely mental. I figured for my own mental well-being, I just needed to lay off it for a substantial amount of time. Um, not as if I set myself an end goal, it was more a case of, it, I suppose initially it was, I'm gonna go for a month, my friends will understand, which actually is the only obstruction to it really, the only hurdle was yeah. um, having the balls say to your mates, I'm not drinking tonight, yeah. you know, I'm here, hooray, yeah. but you know, I'm not gonna, be as much fun as I might have been before, and then seeing how it went until I got to a point where I felt, you know actually, I'm just gonna have a beer again. And, and it did actually, I, I perhaps I should have mentioned earlier, it did have a huge impact on my mental welfare.
0: Big thumbs up from Rob there. <laughs> right, to quickly polish us off then, Rob, the uh, question to finish. Yes. So, given what we've talked about, would you next year consider or do try January, or do, you, or do you aim to just drink slightly less per day or per week, So
2: all year round? So I don't have a definitive answer on the dry January thing. I do acknowledge that it is much harder to engage in, especially when you live in a city like London, uh, especially when you're in your 20s, um, and there's a lot going on, and it's important to socialize and, and do these kinds of things. I understand that it is tough, Um, I also understand it's kind of glamorised in a way, the idea of drinking quite a bit, which makes it that much more difficult. Um, I certainly was lucky um, when I went through a period of not drinking, of having friends who were very understanding. Um, And so I think to this day and for a while, I've always tried to engage in not drinking during the week. Um, I'm sure you've had friends who've done it as well. but I acknowledge that it is tough. I do acknowledge it is tough.
0: Any final thoughts, Dr. David? Yeah, well,
1: there's, so there's, it's great for doing it that way and like you said, it's kind of changed your behaviour afterwards mm. and that's the key, really. If you can get it, do it for a little bit and then it changes your long-term drinking habits then that's what you're after. I've so talked about my builders before. I'm now on to number four who's a really nice guy. <laughs> he's a carpenter and um, he's a massive hippie and he's doing to dry January and dry February and just pretty much to go doubly hard for the rest of the year. Really? And, yeah, just drink a lot and take all sorts of things, which is fine <laughs> as long as he's finished the work by February or March. <laughs> that's all right. But the, my challenge would be to anyone that's kind of maybe thinks they drink too much would firstly be to make sure you have a couple of days a week where you don't drink anything just mm. to give your liver a little bit of a break. And if you're thinking about doing dry January, Try and step up the challenge and maybe just have one limit yourself to one or two drinks and no more than that because that's a bigger mental challenge to once you're slightly inebriated mm. to then say no to getting uh, very drunk and then going into these kind of more damaging effects afterwards. So if you can kind of say no after you're, you've lost your inhibition a little bit, that's a bigger skill, I think.
0: Very good point. Wow, we've, we've, we're actually giving out serious advice these days. I'm <laughs> not sure what we think we've become. But no, fair point. And I think a wonderful place to end it. So thanks both, as usual. Invigorating discussions, inebriating discussions. <laughs> thanks, Chris, for the audio. And we'll uh, please send in thoughts, questions, etc. Twitter, sickofhealth, at sick of health. We'll see you next time.
2: Thank Cheers. you, guys. Cheers. Sick, so sick,
0: so sick of hell